a vision. And I'm trying to keep that in check. That our path to wellness will become a community of kind and curious friends, learning to become whole, expanding into flow, learning how our minds work, becoming kinder, happier, and more joyful humans. Ideally, as we gain insights on this path, will ease our own suffering and help to ease the suffering of those around us. This path is about the journey, not the destination. Full disclosure, we are not professionals. We plan to be real, make mistakes, learn, and have some fun. So join us. We invite you to hang out, expand the lens of your perspective. So take a deep breath, grab your surfboard, hiking boots, some trail mix, agua, a book, guitar, compass, a spark. Uh, we don't really need all those things. Uh, you're probably right. <laughs> Join us on our Path That's to Wellness. So Dan, that was fun and all, but uh, what are we actually going to do with this podcast? Like, what are we going to talk about? I don't know, dude. I have no idea. What? This was your This was your idea. No, dude, dude this you was your idea. This. I, I you agreed to this idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here's some ideas, man. You know, what I'm thinking is that we're going to continue to talk about things that are real to us. We're going to talk about meditation. We're going to talk about recovery. We're going to talk about wellness and life getting better each and every week. We're going to bring in new concepts about meditation. We're going to lead new meditations and we're going to, we're going to consult with our friends. We're going to ask some questions. We're going to bring in some guests. We're going to talk about how we continue to go down this path of wellness. Should we just talk about that? I mean, that is actually making me feel a little bit better. Maybe we do have a podcast here after all. Well, at least we've got a second episode. All right. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Path to Wellness Podcast Radio Theater. 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 <laughs> oh my goodness. We still got we it. Still got it. <laughs> we still got it. We still got the echo pedal. So, I mean, if we got our echo pedal, I, I tell you, I feel like a, a kid, you know, playing guitar for the first time and smashing that pedal and all of a sudden this echo comes through there. It's so cool. Uh, you know, growing up, I played acoustic, so the biggest echo I got was playing, you know, playing the drum beat against it. So I, I'm, I can relate, but but really, I can't. Maybe the first time you went down in like a, a underneath a bridge or going for a walk, and you heard that echo in a cave, and you yelled out, "Hello!" There we go. Well, that that seems a little bit closer, anyway. Let's take a second and uh, we'll hit our mindful uh, moments here just to, to kind of center ourselves. If we take a deep breath, just to center ourselves a little bit, wherever you're at, setting your intention, be present with a few breaths, allowing whatever to come up. If it belongs, great. If it doesn't belong and it can wait, let's just let go. Feeling ourselves just being a little bit more steady in our embodied presence. Together, we'll set the intention to just stay focused on this journey that we're going on together for episode four Path to Wellness. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. 
you know, it's the afternoon. I'm still, you know, I'm feeling energized. How are you feeling today? You know, I'm feeling pretty good. I said we'd get into this in this episode, but we actually recorded this episode earlier today, this morning, and it was a really good episode. We really enjoyed it. And then come to find out, I didn't push record. <laughs> it happens, and I, I don't think it'll happen anytime again soon. We we both made mental notes that uh, we're going to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, double check and recheck. Well, it was really interesting from the perspective of, you know, this entire episode, you know, it really, you know, we talk a lot about craving. We talk a lot about equanimity and that balance. And so we got a pretty hard lesson in that, or at least I did. I should speak for myself in, uh, you know, feeling some success at having completed the episode and then feeling some failure at having not pushed the record button. And I also got to feel some craving too, because I, I was like anxiously looking to see if perhaps maybe somewhere it had recorded and I was craving it to be there and it wasn't. And I had to let go. Uh, yep. Yep, that happened. Well, you know, let's uh, let's get right into to episode four, which we we start with a previous episode recap, and that's the the recap of episode three. Uh, one thing that I I think I would like to submit to the podcast and the audience in general, uh, motion to the floor that we from now on call these our mindfulness minutes. I like that. So right after mindfulness minute. We do the mindfulness minutes. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. We'll see it. We'll see how it goes. And to jump right into them, you know, last week we did uh, meditation 101 or a, a frequently asked questions uh, about meditation. We asked, you know, what is meditation? What are the right and wrong ways to perform meditation? Does it matter when I sit, where I sit, posture? How does this help with? recovery and general wellness. Anything else that we hit there, uh, Dan? One thing I'll, I'll help everybody to remember was that I think I only got one question right. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. <laughs> At least that's what my scorecard said. <laughs> um, and uh, just as a, a, a quick uh, FYI, uh, we plan to, in future episodes, do uh, question and answer sessions uh, directly following our newly uh, minted mindfulness minutes as the first part of each episode uh, using questions coming from our listeners. And so last week's uh, call to action, and we appreciate those that did take the uh, opportunity to share this uh, podcast to any friends, family that they thought would would get some some value and benefit out of it. Uh, this week's call to action is to send in questions that you have about mindfulness, any any topics that we've already covered, any topics that you are just wondering that that kind of are in your path to wellness, and we'll take stabs at trying to answer them. Uh, send your questions to pathtowellnessatl at gmail.com. Just to get back into our mindfulness minutes, the next thing that we covered in last week's episode was concentration and mindfulness and how those two are really integrated or integral in, in how we kind of walk this path. I don't know if you want to give just a, a quick recap. I really liked the way that we explored it as kind of two sides of awareness, you know, to where, you know, concentration is this piece that we begin to cultivate. And, you know, it, it, that's where we gather our focus on one thing. 
letting go of all the little pieces that don't belong. And we get better at that each and every week. So it's kind of the laser beam or the mechanism for looking at stuff. And then as we bring that information back, we look at it and we begin to cultivate the mental balance of mindfulness. We begin to see it through a mindful lens as we kind of you know bring that information back. So it's two sides of awareness, our concentration, our ability to see it with clar- clarity, and mindfulness, our, our ability to interpret it without all the add-ons, without all of the, the extra commentary pieces as well. And I think that that's something that, I think the most beautiful piece of that is it's something that we can continue to develop. Through our practice, we get better and better at that each week, which is uh, uh, allows us to continue to gain insights along the way. Yeah, and one thing about the concentration aspect in general that just before kind of practicing mindfulness, I had never really, never really thought of is when I th- thought of concentrate, I always thought of you know grasp hold of of something and, and really just hold on to it, and that's what I'm working on. Versus you know letting the other things that I'm not working on go by, recognize them if necessary in a, a RAIN type of methodology, but you know, let let go of everything except for what I'm working on, which it doesn't sound that different, but man, does it work out a whole lot differently. It's just a, a much easier, more flow-like state. Yeah, you're, that's great that you bring that up. I mean, that effortless quality, I think, is so important uh, to the, the the entire aspect of meditation and when you endeavor into developing a mindfulness practice, but especially around concentration. You know, a lot of times it'll show up kind of in the eyebrows, like that squinched eyes as you're kind of tensely trying to hold on to something. And if you notice yourself doing that efforting kind of experience, just letting go. That's that's where you just really relax. You really let go. Wide-eyed curiosity. Ah, much better. And to that point, uh, I guess, you know, if anybody says, man, you look like you're really concentrating, just kind of think about, am I doing that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just, I guess it depends on who says that, right? If yeah. it's you know, a, a yogi with a, you know, 50-year practice and they go, oh, it looks like you're really entering concentration, you know, you're like, oh, I must be doing it right. But <laughs> Yeah, I get that. That's fair. It's all, it's all about perspective and where that perspective lies and is coming from. Uh, and then to wrap up uh, the episode from last week, We had a meditation around uh, resting awareness, choiceless awareness. Um, And yeah, I I just have a hard time kind of, we need to pick one of the two. Is it choiceless awareness, wrestling awareness? I just don't want to have to always be like, you know, using both. Just for this podcast, even if it's not like official, we have to choose one of those two. So anytime that I reference it, I don't have to do the and or thing. That's a dance that I don't need to do. (laughs) <laughs> well, can we change it next episode? You know, so maybe we'll just flip back. No, I'm just kidding. We, you know, either way, the the it's such a core meditation in the, uh, developing your practice. Um, it's one that's a go to from time to time. Um, you know, and and as you develop along, whether you're a seasoned meditator or you're just getting started, you know, when you can just pay attention to your breath develop your concentration, and then allow yourself to kind of go into this aspect of arresting awareness to where you're not choosing any one thing to protect, you know, to, to bring your attention to, but allowing it to say, okay, here comes a body sensation. I'm going to bring that same clear concentration 
And I'm going to look at it through that same mindful lens without judgment, without commentary. And we can, we can do that in a very relaxed environment. It's a really great meditation. You just drive right back into your breath and then open it back up into that resting piece or that choiceless piece to where you're not choosing an object to pay attention to. It's a beautiful meditation. Like I said, it's the core, some of the key cores of a insight meditation practice that I've learned so far in my journey. That concludes our mindfulness minutes, at least as far as, as what I had. Did, was there something that we missed regarding last episode? I don't think so. All right, no, I think I'm that good. was a fantastic recap. I think it really, you know, encompassed everything. And, you know, that's our goal is just to kind of repacked and just, I think it's helpful when you're learning something just to revisit those topics a little bit. And, you know, the one thing I'll say is that if all those topics, you're kind of like checking it off. Yep. 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 Got that. Awesome. If some of them kind of don't resonate and you're like, huh, maybe I missed that or mm, I don't know if I got that, feel free to go back and take a listen to the, you know, the previous episode. I think that's why we put those minutes there so that you can kind of build sequentially and, and think about what we talked about last week as you're building your practice because it is something that grows and um, continues to build. Absolutely. And if you, know, you missed last week and uh, want to go back based upon that recap, even better as well. That does bring us to our first talk topic of this week's episode. And that is the topic of craving and wanting, where I will be labeling as course number 102 in your Path to Wellness course catalog. Can you order that course catalog or where did that where does that come from? <laughs> well, it, it will be available at some point as a, as a merch, even if it's just a notebook. <laughs> we'll find a way to monetize this thing at some point. <laughs> right next to the t-shirt section, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, and, and the reason that I kind of, I, I kind of jokingly gave it that course number is, you know, A, we did the, the 101 of meditation last week, and B, we, we've touched upon uh, craving some, but we didn't go, you know, maybe as in depth as, as we possibly can, but also as we probably will, you know, we'll probably revisit this multiple times, but just wanted to get some more in depth thought from you on, on craving and wanting. I mean, I think that it, it's it's a great way that you've put it together with this, you know, kind of 102 concept, because, you know, as we've talked about and kind of choked about, you know, I mean, it's one, we want to talk about craving in a, in a, and wanting in a, um, bigger way. We want to look at it as more than just wanting a cookie or wanting a drink of alcohol or, or these kinds of things that we, you know, we certainly touched on last week, but we want to dive in a little bit deeper. But the other aspect is that, you know, we are clear, we're lay practitioners. And, you know, we, we kind of joke about the fact that, you know, in episode, you know, 252, we'll hit craving again for the fourth or fifth time, and we'll be in a totally different place than we are now. And then when we get to further down the road, we'll probably look back and say, man, you know, we had it right to begin with. What were we thinking in that middle episode? <laughs> Who knows? And we really want to invite you to come along on that journey with us. Yeah. And I mean, that also kind of lends itself to the fact that, you know, we're following the same methodology of impermanence where, you know, nothing is is the same across the board. And it's just as we're feeling at this very moment in time, as we kind of go through these thought processes as we have these discussions. Yeah. I mean, that's hopefully the beauty of all this is that, you know, you and I are, are going down this path with the out greater community of our friends and people around here. Just 
unfolding, allowing it to unfold in the present moment, which is very much what we're doing in our meditative practices. So this is where we're at today when we start to go down these topics. And that's the reason that we'll, you know, this would be 102 and, uh, you know, we'll have the, uh, the next course uh, guide coming out real soon. Circle back to what is craving. Well, it's, you know, it's the very core part of our being, this reward-based learning system that we have in our body to where we, we see food, we eat the food and our stomach sends a little signal back up to our brain to, you know, feel better. We feel better and it spritzes a context dependent memory with a little bit of dopamine on top of it, allowing us to remember and, and set that up. Seafood, eat food, rinse, wash, repeat, do it again, do it again. And uh, is a core learning mechanism for us and, and most of the beings uh, on this planet. Uh, you know, the, I think it's evolutionarily conserved, as we said, you know, back to the sea slug, which is like, you know, 20,000 neurons. So, you know, this is this is a very well-known aspect of, of, of us is that, you know, trigger, craving starts, we do the behavior, we get the reward and it and it happens again. Now this is this can be very true with with all sorts of things that you know become bad habits whether it's cigarette smoking or alcohol cookies behaviors codependency anxiety thinking i mean all of these things get wired in as human beings you know we don't we're typically not wired in such a way to where we want to feel things that are unpleasant and so we're searching for ways to make the unpleasant things go away and have the pleasant things stay a little longer. Ultimately, in our meditation practice, what we are you know, endeavoring to do is to just kind of be present with what is instead of trying to work so hard to manufacture these other pieces of it. So you know, anything that kind of pushes us and pulls us can begin this whole craving cycle. Now, I learned a lot from a guy by the name of Dr. Judson Brewer, who's become a mentor and a, a you know just a, a friend and a great teacher to me uh, along the way. And you know, I wanted to kind of share some of that. We talked about it earlier on in episode one, but you know, just kind of bringing that back to the table that you know any of these habit loops are set up with a trigger, a behavior, and a reward. And in between that trigger and behavior is that sensation or that feeling of craving. And as we work to try to you know, break those, great way that he's laid this out is with you know, the idea of gears. First gear being, hey, I can see this habit. I'm aware of this habit. Because in the past, as you and I can totally relate to, I mean, and probably anybody out there who's listening, the last time you ate a full bag of potato chips, you didn't pay attention to every single potato chip that you ate. You're just mindlessly on autopilot, planes just flying right past the tower, you know, consuming all those <laughs> chips, right? Absolutely. That's how I eat all my chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to endeavor to change that together. So, so first gear is just simply waking up to that habit loop. And, you know, it's, it's amazing when you just go, whoa, I can't believe I'm still doing that. That's interesting. Second gear is kind of once you've woken up to that habit loop, you start to really bring that attention that we've been cultivating through our, our concentration and our mindful awareness to it and saying, hmm, what does that really feel like in my body? How does my body feel when it's filled with cookies or filled with potato chips? I mean, really doesn't feel that good when I'm doing that. Or, you know, maybe when I'm giving into an anxiety loop and just, you know, spinning my thoughts out of control or, you know, over and indulging in anything 
of with these loops because they tend to feed themselves. And I guess we'll, you know, we'll further the discussion around that, but these things tend to feed themselves. So when we start to pay attention, then we can shift into a third gear, which allows us to let go of the habit loops, right? You know, this is where we can step out of the loop. And instead of, you know, doing the behavior, now we've got it built up enough embodied awareness to where it's a little easier to say, yeah, that filled stomach of cookies and chips or that, you know, indulging in that anxious thinking or whatever it may be, doesn't feel so good. Maybe I'm going to try something else. Does that resonate? Yeah, no, it definitely does. And one thing, you know, as you're describing this gearbox that drives your drivetrain from your engine, it it makes me think, you know, of almost using rain as at least a clutch between your second and third gears where you're able to stop and take a look at that behavior, even if you're not physically, you're not maybe mentally or physically stopping the behavior itself per se, but you're actually at least identifying investigating, noting that the behavior exists and is occurring, right? Is that fair? Oh, it's absolutely fair. You know, I mean, I think that that really leads us to, you know, kind of the next concept that we want to touch around this is that, you know, thinking, thinking for us is traditionally a very strong point as a human, right? We can figure things out and it's really important, but it can also be tricky. My own thoughts, my own brain will talk me into doing things that I don't want to do. It will you know, rationalize things. And it also throws wood on this fire, right? I mean, it stokes these craving loops up like you wouldn't believe, sitting there thinking about them. Oh, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. Maybe I should do it. Just and so, what we want to do in our and we train ourselves through this meditative practice is to shift out of thinking mode, out of head mode, and get into our body, and to really begin to get into body mode. What does that craving feel like in my embodied experience? What does that emotion feel like? What is my you know? Can I just feel the air? Can I just hear the sounds? Can I just smell the flowers? Can I just get into the present moment experience with my body's senses? That's one of the key things. And so, you know, just to kind of wrap that that little, you know, section up, back to your point, rain comes in beautifully into this, right? So we we first and foremost, we get out of the autopilot where we eat the whole bag of chips and we're like, what happened? And and then we we shift into this first gear to where we're saying, okay, I can see that. I wanted the chips. I started to eat the chips and and it just kind of fed itself. It's like, oh, I ate one chip. Now I want another chip. And so I eat another chip and it just kind of circles and we can start to see that. Now we're in second gear when we're paying attention to what the chip actually tastes like. Does it really taste that good? What the behavior actually feels like? What does the anxious thought loop or the you know cigarette or whatever it may be that we're putting our attention on? Third gear is when we step out of that loop. And that is where a tool like RAIN comes in really handy because we can drop into meditation and instead of thinking so much about this craving, we can actually feel it. We can recognize it, acknowledge it, investigate it, to note it, and just let it pass and wash on through us. And that really gives us that ability to respond instead of react. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. And you mentioned, you know, the, the thinking mode versus the body mode. One thing, you know, that, that I've really noticed as we kind of have gone down this mindfulness path is that 
and I'd never noticed this previously is, you know, getting into those, those loops of, of anxiousness, anger, frustration, whatever that loop may be, I can actually physically feel it. I can feel it contracting my muscles, closing my body up, or even the opposite, you know, in, in, in good ways, I can feel myself opening up when I'm feeling good. And, and, and it's just, it's interesting when you're actually able to get away from, you know, that thinking mode, the thought pro or the mindless loop and able to actually feel that. I think that that's, you know, that's the beauty of the practice. And, you know, if this is your first time listening to something about mindfulness, just, you know, understand that these kinds of things start to develop. You know, when I first started my practice, I didn't really, I wasn't feeling anger in my body. It was like kind of this weird idea. But as you start to feel around, I mean, you can feel that tension. You know, you can, even if you took a break right now and thought of something that, you know, makes you anxious or brings fear to mind, you'll notice your body kind of contract. Your shoulders might come forward. You might start to hunch down and you get this physical feeling in your body. And that's not by mistake, right? I mean, that's how our brains get us to move or get us to react or get us to do things versus the, you know, the other side of that that you were talking about is that when you feel open and joy and, and love and kindness, that you start to feel that more open quality, that more resonant, you know, warmth in there. The beauty of it is, is that you can train that. You can develop that. And on this path to wellness, on in your meditation practice, you'll begin to develop that more and more and more. I think we, you and I have both experienced that. And we're just really getting started with a little over a year of practice so it's just it, that part's a beautiful part of the experience, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that I, I failed to actually address that you, you kind of uh, mentioned uh, before I, I interjected myself was mm -hmm. the respond versus reaction. And, and another thing about the RAIN practice is really what it's giving you is it's giving you that that moment to to recenter before reacting and actually allowing you to respond from a centered place. Um, or at least that's how I see it. it. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a key piece of it. You know, I mean, you know, another analogy that I think about with, uh, you know, craving loops and such, and you know, we, we, we talk about all, a lot of us have a multiple different, we all do lots of different kinds of cravings going on, whether it be from, you know, intoxicants like alcohol or cigarettes or nicotine or chips or thoughts or behaviors, or just, you know, self-referential things needing to be praised or needing to, you know, be successful or whatever we have these craving loops around, I kind of envision these things like an old dry field out there. And when we're flying on autopilot, it's like we're in the midst of a, uh, a, an absolute drought. And so, you know, these things are getting hotter and hotter and these fires are just cooking up all over the place and they're burning out of control to a certain extent. And every time we're adding thought to them, we're just feeding those fires. We're just constantly adding more kindling and more wood to these craving loop fires. But when we can do practices like rain, we can start to slow them down. We start to dig a fire line around them. And rain actually does become the rain. It moistens things. It slows the fire down. It allows us to kind of get into this piece of this respond to where we're not adding all these different, you know, thoughts to it, like logs to the fire, and we're able to be with it and allow it to unwind itself, allow it to kind of die down. 
you know, I think you once mentioned something to me about, you know, how it was kind of amazing to you how when you had some of that tension in your body, that just by bringing awareness to it, it kind of unraveled itself, right? That was pretty unique. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's something that I, I, coming into this practice, I just had no idea, you know, that that was something that was even possible, let alone envisioned um, being able to feel it. It's very, very interesting and very cool. And it's one of those things that just kind of like, hey, maybe I am doing this thing right. Thinking about these loops, trying to think our way out of them really just throws fire, throws wood on the fire, just continues to burn hotter and hotter and hotter and grow. But when we can start to back off, just bringing some mindful attention to them, just like the embodied awareness piece and feel these things, we begin to slow that fire down. It begins to die down. And that that's the real beauty of what this practice can bring for dealing with, with really all kinds of wantings and pushings and, and uh, you know, things that are centered around craving. And I think that it's, it's important to know, as, as we have time and time again throughout even our three previous episodes, is, you know, we're not avoiding. We're not avoiding or pushing away these thoughts. We are interacting with them in a centered way and, and addressing them, acknowledging them, you know, reining them in, as some might say. Um, there's a, <laughs> there, there's a, a dad joke for you. I was um, going to ask you, I mean, do you stay up late writing these jokes or where do you get these, man? These are fantastic <laughs> material here. You know, it, it's just, it's important to note that, that that's a big thing is that we, we do address them, but addressing them allows them to, to stay at a manageable size. And, and it's also not to say that when we do address them, that they completely go out either. These, these things can't be ignored um, and they don't ever fully, I, at least hasn't, hasn't happened for me yet. They don't ever fully go away, but they become manageable, at least if you are able to dig those uh, metaphorical or analogical fire uh, lines around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how they kind of take care of themselves and they begin to unwind themselves. They begin to untangle themselves and kind of die down on their own when we stop feeding them. You know, when you can really pay attention to some of these things, as opposed to being on autopilot, you start to naturally become disenchanted with them. You start to naturally say, whoa, man, that really doesn't feel that good. That really doesn't taste that good. That really doesn't make my body feel so great. When you could really start to pay attention to it, it kind of starts to happen naturally. If you're dealing with this around harder drugs or alcohol or those kinds of things, you know, if it's not working for you, if this is not the right strategy, yeah, there's no shame in getting some help, getting a break in the action, getting a break in, you know, this, you know, habit loop that you find yourself in with, especially with intoxicants, because they, they set up really deep grooves that can be really difficult to get unsnared from. So, you know, just, just as an FYI, if you're like, listen to this and you're saying, man, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I can't seem to stop whatever, you know, addictive drug you might be dealing with or whatever, you know, really deep seated behavior, just understand that this can be a primary piece, but it also can just, you know, you might need, you know, some extra help to get that break. 
break in the action. I just like to put that disclaimer out because I think it's important to keep in mind that you can come back to this or this may be working for you. This may be all that you need it to, to deal with those kinds of behaviors. But if you feel like it's not working, just don't forget that you might need some help out there. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. And just to um, kind of reiterate on that same same line of thought, you know, not just alcohol and drugs may require that break in the action. Um, you know, it could be um, depression, anxiety, um, eating disorders. You know, it, there's a there's a multitude of things out there that the professionals are out there to help you, you know, really kind of lay the, the groundwork or, or the foundation um, where, you know, you can even practice this stuff as you go, as you go through that. Um, but, you know, I think that that foundation is really going to allow for a better path to wellness. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things that some people may want it. Some people may not. Some people, you know, this may open up your mind and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I get it. I'm disenchanted with that behavior. And you go down this path and maybe you don't need to. So we're not trying to say, hey, if you've got these problems, you have to go see a doctor or a therapist. But we're also trying to make sure that we're being real clear to where we say, hey, if you have some deeper seated things that maybe you're causing you some struggle, you know, get some extra help too, man. Get everything that you need to get yourself firmly planted on this path to wellness because life is good. And it is beautiful when you start to open your eyes and and you can pay closer attention to it. I'm preaching to the choir to a lot of folks, I know, but I just, you know, I can't help but uh, sing with you, I guess, and sing loudly. (laughs) I'm a choir member myself. (laughs) Um, All right. So just to kind of wrap up the craving piece, you know, we do, you know, we talk about all these little pieces that, you know, kind of work with it, you know, that, you know, the thinking mode and getting into body mode, but, you know, you, you touched on it earlier, this whole, you know, respond versus reaction. You know, a lot of times what we find ourselves and, you know, when we're out there and we're, you know, just fragmented in the world and we're just reacting to things. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, this person called here. I need to do this. I need to do that. That can be helpful at times to be able to kind of be, you know, on autopilot to be able to get things done efficiently. But when that starts to flow into our reactions with, you know, cravings and, and, and things that are causing us you know, a disease and not, 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 you know, just unpleasantness in our lives, you know, we want to be able to slow down. And mindfulness meditation really gives us that ability to respond to things, you know, to where you can really jump into, like you were talking about earlier, a rain meditation around how craving feels in your embodied experience. And then when you kind of come out of it and you've let go of it and kind of pass through it, now you're in a position to where you don't have to react so much and you can kind of respond. You can say, hmm, I think I'm just going to let go of that instead of just reacting into it. Really, for lack of a hokey pokey uh, message, uh, what it's all about. Now that joke, you didn't stay up late, right? And you just no. pulled that one on the fly. I can tell. <laughs> when you do the no, hokey pokey it, and you shake it all about, that's what it's all about. Oh, total different yeah. podcast. Maybe we'll cut that. All right. Yeah, but 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 to that point, you know, it is it is um, it's really what it's all about. And it and it's interesting to see all of those things kind of just as you kind of move along, just kind of, I wouldn't even say mastering, but understanding the concepts that we've been talking about, they just kind of 
all intercorrelate together so well. And it's just, you know, it just kind of slowly becomes just a way of life. It's helpful to, to, to talk about these qualities, right? You know, to talk about, you know, impermanence and helpful to dig down. I mean, when you're first starting, you're just paying attention to your breath and you're just trying to, you know, relax and to become a little bit more steady and calm. And then you're trying to bring some alertness and some clarity to, with this relaxed, effortless attention. And that's something that I think that we'll be, you know, continuing to work on throughout our entire lives and on the entire path. I brought up a guy the other day, um, you know, Jeff Warren, and he's a really cool meditation teacher who I really enjoy listening to. And in one of his meditations, he was kind of talking about how things begin to unfold in your your path and how it becomes a little bit deeper practice. And, you know, he was giving an analogy based on becoming a naturalist. You know, you go for a walk in the woods and the first time you're out there, you go, wow, that bird over there is just singing a beautiful song. And it looks really pretty. You know, you're just amazed by this bird, that bird. But then as you progress, you start to learn, oh, that's a warbler. Okay, now I know the name of that bird. You know, and then you start to learn the differences between, you know, what tree he likes to go into, what he eats and where he's at, and when you might see him more often, and just different nuances of his behavior, and you're becoming a naturalist. And that's, you know, that's you start to get enriched. It becomes more rich, your experience. And that's kind of what we're doing here as we kind of continue to explore these topics. Hey, Dan, so that was a, a, a great anecdote uh, about the naturalist. And I think that really does kind of wrap up our um, craving course number 102. Um, and I, I think that we might have to uh, to break the podcast fourth wall here for a minute. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I imagine at this point you're going to, you know, cue everybody in into the formula for how you write these amazing jokes that brings out the echo in me. <laughs> that's actually that's actually not where that that was going. Um, so you know, we we had some technical issues with this episode, and then we kind of we sprinted through what we wanted to do with this episode, and we ended up with almost a two hour long episode when all things were said and done. I'll take some some uh, some credit for it being so long. You certainly were, uh, you know, telling me that oh, I think it's going to be a long episode, and sure enough, it ended up wrapping up at about two hours. So, yeah. So what we did was we went ahead and broke off the equanimity piece. There's a really great section that, um, in the original format of this podcast, you know, began right here, and it's on you know what is equanimity, how does it work in our lives, and we dig into you know the eight vis. Vicissitudes, 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 or the eight worldly winds, and really do a really nice conversation on how those come into our lives and how equanimity helps us balance through that. So that's going to be in episode five. So we're really excited about that episode. So you'll uh, you'll you'll certainly enjoy it. But anyways, that's what happened. So you're getting a a, a break here in the action. Yeah, and so we will be finishing up this episode as we do with uh, all of our other episodes, and we're going to move into a meditation-type uh, phase, however, or a segment. However, is there anything that you wanted to add um, about craving before we get started? You know, I think the one thing that, you know, as we 
craving kind of has a connotation of being about intoxicants or maybe just food um, or, you know, certain behaviors. And it tends to have this, you know, connotation of only the worst case scenario on the scale. And the thing is, is that's, that's very much, that's true, but it also shows up in so many different ways in our lives. And we, as we begin to pay attention to it in the small little nuances of craving for anxious thinking or whatever it may be, the more that we learn to pay attention to it in the smaller areas or the softer areas, the easier it is for us to be able to begin to pay attention to it in the heavier areas or the areas that's causing us more suffering. Um, so that's the big thing is that, you know, beginning to broaden our, our understanding of craving, you know, it's just anything that where we're craving something that isn't in our present moment, we're craving something that feels good because we want to keep feeling good, or we're craving something to make us feel better because we don't feel so good in the present moment. And that could be anything. So that sounded like your recommendation would be, you know, if possible, we start by dealing with the pebbles of craving before tackling the boulders. We deal with what's in the present moment. If it's a pebble, we begin to pay attention to it. If it's a boulder, well, of course, we begin to pay attention to it. And so I think that we're kind of hardwired to probably miss the pebbles, right? You know, before I started my meditation practice, I missed so many details on autopilot. I really just didn't have time to pay attention because I was so fragmented and all over the place. It's, I think it's more than just pay attention to the pebbles, but the pebbles are just as important because they allow you to generate or cultivate the skills that you can use to tackle the bigger boulders as well. That sounds like it's going to lead me right into this episode's leading question of the week. Do you have anything in mind that could help us sense, whether it be the pebbles or the boulders of craving uh, that, that you could lead us in this week? Yeah, I do. I, I heard a great meditation um, earlier this week, and, and I really enjoyed it. it. It was kind of a focus on feeling craving in your embodied experience. And, and I kind of began to tie that in with RAIN and, and this resting awareness that we've been working on together. So, you know, my, my goal this week in our meditation is to develop our concentration and practice as we steady ourselves on our breath bring in some elements of, you know, grounding ourselves in our embodied awareness, but then kind of go into a more resting awareness for a moment. And perhaps we start to focus on what craving feels like in our embodied experience. And it can be craving for anything and, and really applying the concepts of rain to it. So bringing a few of our skills together into one meditation uh, practice. How does that sound? That sounds interesting and like a, a Dan original mashup. Well, let's sit together and uh, try out this rain meditation with a focus on craving. If you're comfortable and in a safe location, not driving any vehicles, or operating any heavy machinery, hopefully somewhere in a quiet place to where you feel comfortable and safe. If you're ready, go ahead and close your eyes and begin to take a few deep breaths. 
preparing your mind for the sound of the bell. Let's start with a few deep breaths together. So we know it's helpful to send that signal to our mind and to our nervous system that it's time to relax. We'll take a deep breath in through the nose, just nice and full and smooth. And as we breathe out, just allowing yourself to settle just a little bit more. Another deep breath in. Feeling settled and allowing that breath to go back out. Ground ourselves a little in our embodied experience as we work to shift from our head mode into our body mode. Let's bring some attention down to our feet. See if you can't feel your feet firmly planted in the ground. Maybe you feel your shoes where your shoes make contact. Just feeling that connection to the earth, to the structure that you're standing on. Begin to take another deep breath in to allow that focus to bring in your shins and your calves. Just feeling around for any tension or an itch, just anything at all. Getting a sense of your lower legs where they make contact with the ground. The fact that they're connected to your body. Just bringing that sense of thankfulness. Bring our attention into our knees, maybe into our thighs and our hamstrings. Oftentimes you'll notice your hands resting in your lap. Feel that pressure point. See if you can't bring some curious attention. It's again, not tight, not efforted just kind of wide-eyed and open, curious attention to how your hands feel in your lap, or maybe how the chair or cushion feels as it makes contact with your hamstrings. Bring some attention into our sit bones for a moment, just paying attention to how gravity pulls you down into the cushion. Get a sense for that pressure point, sense for how it feels, is it pleasant or unpleasant? Feel more pressure on the right or the left? Now, as we seek to tune in our experience, we'll pay some attention to our posture. For this meditation, we want to be relaxed, but awake, alert, but tranquil. So pay attention to where your spine makes contact with the, your hips and your lower body and rises up tall and proud. Sometimes it can be helpful to take your back off of the back of the chair or if you're seated in a cushion, just to sit up just a little taller, just back straight, not arched, not hunched over, not uncomfortable, but yet awake. Maybe take a moment and imagine that there's a, a force from above just gently pulling your head just a little higher, allowing you to sit up just a little taller. We'll bring some attention into our shoulders as we kind of just let them drift back a little bit, opening up your chest, and then just kind of relax back into a comfortable position. Open, 
alert, awake. Let's bring our attention into our breath. Here we'll find it most predominant either in the nostrils as the air comes in and out, perhaps in our chest as our chest expands and it rises and falls on the out-breath, or even in the abdomen as it expands and contracts with each breath. There's no right or wrong answer, but it's helpful to choose one as we begin to practice gathering our attention. One that becomes our home base, our anchor, the focus of our concentration. As we begin to pay attention to your body breathing, it's helpful to just sense that your body's breathing, but more importantly, to feel it. Can you feel the air as it comes in? As it picks up speed, fills up your lungs, as it pauses and then turns into an out-breath. You may find it helpful to add a soft mental note, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. As we cultivate our ability to pay attention, practice it. One thing that's helpful to pay attention to is just to gently let go of anything that doesn't belong. It can wait. The breath is all that matters in this particular moment. It's also helpful to tune and calibrate our ability to feel the breath. So if you find yourself on top of the breath or just holding on tightly or efforting, trying to concentrate, just lean back a little bit. Just back away from it. Relax and let go. And on the other side of that spectrum, if you find yourself falling asleep, distant and far away from feeling your breath, see if you can't lean in. Take a little deeper breath. Sit up a little taller. Begin to note, breathing in. Breathing out. As we begin to relax our awareness and move into the next segment of our meditation, I'll remind you, if your mind wanders off into thought and spins out into a fantasy, your checklist of things you need to do, internal narrator starts yapping away, you just wake up to that. And when you do, rejoice a little bit. This is not a time to be frustrated. This is a time to be happy. I've woken up. Noted is thinking. That's what minds do. And then just begin again, paying attention to the breath or whatever exercise we're focused on during that portion of the meditation. For the next section of the meditation, we want to focus on bringing in a more resting awareness, choiceless awareness, as we've often said, to where we're just kind of relaxing, seeing what's coming up. Maybe it's a, an emotion. Maybe it's a body sensation, a thought, anything at all. And we want to bring that same clear concentration, bring it into your awareness for a moment. I'd like you to bring to mind 
a time that you felt your body craving. Could have been craving for one more chip or one more episode of Netflix or for somebody to pay attention to you, to try to get another like on Facebook. We've all been there. Or could be for an intoxicant, whatever it may be that you can bring to mind, the first thing that kind of pops to mind. See if you can't bring that experience to mind. And if your mind starts to wander off or spin off into thought, just gently note thinking and do your best to let go of that. So as you bring this craving to mind, I'd like to invite you to remember the principles of rain. You recognize it like a cloud floating into your view. Ah, there's craving. And then you accept it. Maybe you don't want to feel the restless quality of it or the tension or contraction. But as you begin to develop some balance, you recognize that it belongs. It's a part of your experience. So let's acknowledge it and accept it. And as it starts to come into view, gets closer, let's try to investigate how you experience it in your embodied awareness. Is there anywhere in your body that you can feel it? In your chest, is a tightness, a weight on your shoulders, a restless quality, clenching in the jaw or the eyes, maybe just an overall vibration, increase in your pulse, a restlessness to do something. It's again, trying to let go of any thoughts or commentary, all the add-on pieces don't belong. How does that craving feel in your embodied experience? Now remember, this is your experience, but oftentimes when craving comes on, whether it's a small pebble or a large boulder, it begins to build. But the law of impermanence begins to come in. And if you can just be with it, attention acts like a little pinprick in the balloon. So it may get nice and tight, but as you begin to pay attention, it's like you pop a little hole in it and you stay with it as it begins to deflate and keep moving like a cloud passing through across the sky. Try to stay with it as long as you can, just feeling it as it lessens, becomes less intense, Your body becomes a little lighter, a little freer. Just paying attention to what it feels like to let go. Place your hand on your heart and thank yourself. Just thank yourself for taking such good care of yourself. For bringing your awareness to pay attention, to learn and practice new skills. To develop your wellness. One of the beauties of that practice is not only are you taking care of yourself, but when you take care of yourself and develop wellness, you naturally have a ripple effect that takes care of those around you. You shine a little brighter and that light reaches the world around. So thank yourself and notice how that feels. As we begin to wind down this practice, 
want you to try once more to bring to mind the sensation, the feeling that you got when you let craving go. When you just held it, felt it lessen, and then let it go. Bring that with you into the next moment as we prepare to wiggle our fingers and toes a little, bringing our meditation to a close. Prepare your mind for the bell, and when you're ready, open your eyes. I think this is a tremendously useful practice that helps you to gain the skills to be able to let go of craving, to let go of all the little things that your body craves that you no longer have need for. If you can begin to get yourself in a position to where you can respond, focus on your embodied experience, then you have the ability to not only enjoy the feeling of letting go, but also the freedom of the next moments. So thank you for your practice. We thank you for taking the time to sit with us in meditation and you know, look forward to continuing this journey with you. Brandon? Yeah, I just wanted to reflect for just a moment. Um on you know that that feeling that you called out right at the end of the meditation it's interesting you know as i have a better understanding of how my body feels and reacts to emotions i am able to better feel the the lightning the lessening of tension the lessening of the vibration that previously i wasn't even truly aware existed in my body i just find that interesting and i just find it interesting anytime that i'm able to anytime that i am better able to be in tune with how my body is reacting to my my mental state it's really cool for me to see the reality of the practice developing Right. I mean, what you're telling me is the, the, the faith that we have that, hey, if I keep practicing this, I'm going to become more attuned. Um, my concentration is going to deepen and you're going to get to know things deeper. You know, just like the naturalist in the woods, you're going to start to pick up a little bit more sense for things and, you know, a little bit deeper understanding every time you're there. I think that that's a, uh, really beautiful thing to share and it's really on a personal note as your friend it's really cool to see that developing and to hear that developing because i feel that too you know i I feel the depth of my ability to feel and understand as it as it grows sometimes when you feel it yourself you know you have those moments or those epiphanies but they can kind of layer in slowly it's like a a fruit ripening on the vine you know it's like you know is it a little bit redder today i don't know it's like all of a sudden overnight it's ready to you know to pick and, and consume and you don't always have this really clear okay if i do it for three hours i'm gonna reach level four it's really cool to see that and hear about that opening up in your life yeah it's definitely more of a mathematical or analytical point of view a step graph than it is a linear graph i feel like you see the jumps not the minor progressions that are happening 
Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. And sometimes it meanders a little bit. You know, I have days to where, you know, I was really, really feeling good. And then all of a sudden, that's like, I can't concentrate because I got something going on in my life. And, you know, sometimes you need those kinds of days to get you back in the swing of things, you know, or whatever. You get a little uh, two steps forward, one step back. One step back, two steps forward. Yes. And so, and sometimes it's a flying leap as you jump on your carpet and just like meditate up and levitate six or seven levels. And you're like, whoa, what happened? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to get fired from my meditation career for that kind of comment. <laughs> uh, I got to keep it light, but no, that was really good. It was a great meditation. I think that, um, you know, really good wrap up. It's what we're about here at the path to wellness is, you know, using this practice learning from the teachers around us, sharing, growing together, and having some fun while we're getting there. Where, where can you find us out there on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find us at pathtowellnessatl.com. You can join us on Facebook at Path to Wellness Facebook page and group. Uh, Instagram, Path to Wellness ATL. Join us on Twitter at Path to Well ATL, or as we've previously stated, reach out, email to us, path to wellness ATL at gmail.com. We need some questions to stump Dan. <laughs> Even though I only got one right in episode three, but you know, I, it, you don't have to give me anything too complex because, you know, I, I'll just throw it all over the place. I may try though. I'll try. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, we also, you know, just ask if you are enjoying this podcast and haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review and we'll catch you next week. As always, remember, this is your path to wellness. Experiences may vary. And this is about the journey, not the destination. We'll catch you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make that up, man. <laughs>